Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, for more information. You can also follow us on Facebook. Find out all we have to offer birders with Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 721. We want to start off this morning with a tribute to and a remembrance of a beloved member of the birding world who passed away this week. Bill Thompson III was a great birder, bird trip leader, publisher, and important voice for birds and bird conservation. DT3, as he was affectionately known, was just 57 years old. He'll be missed by birders and conservationists everywhere, including here at Talking Birds. Well, if you're in Florida, living there or visiting, you may want to know about a couple of big birding events uh, happening, uh, not this month, because it's still it's still March uh, on our live broadcast here, last day of the month. On Sunday, April 7th, it's a party to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Friends of the Everglades at the Fairchild Tropical Botanical Garden in Coral Gables, Florida. It'll include hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and live music, an environmentally themed auction and a keynote address by longtime Everglades restoration leader Maggie Herchala. Everglades.org is the website. For more info, Everglades.org. And on Saturday, April 13th at Alligator Lake Park in Lake City, Florida, west of Jacksonville, north of Gainesville, it's the 10th annual Alligator Lake Spring Festival featuring bird and butterfly walks, a live falconry show, native plants, activities for kids, kayak lessons, and even a fishing derby. That's Saturday, April 13th. More info at fourriversaudubon.org. That's fourriversaudubon.org. And that is the sound of our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird preview. The actual contest coming along a bit later, but we want you to be ready to uh, dial that number. We'll even give you the number now. Don't call yet, but here's the number so you'll have it ready. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a small but kind of stocky songbird that's mostly gray or olive gray all over, save for a yellow spot in front of the eyes with a white throat and a black malar stripe, kind of a drooping mustache kind of thing. Our bird is found in salt marshes in the vicinity of tidal reeds and rushes on a year-round basis along most of the east and gulf coast areas of the U.S. where it feeds on seeds and insects, spiders, and those always popular marine invertebrates. We have some beautiful prizes, including the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows, for example, but great for lots of other birds. Bonus prizes, a download to your iOS device or uh, online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game, and we have a two-pound bag of delicious, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. That is some good stuff, and that's our raft of prizes on our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. Meanwhile, we are saying thank you again, and we are so thankful for 
more Talking Birds listeners becoming Talking Birds ambassadors and allowing us to send them some little cards about our show to hand out to their friends and neighbors and fellow birders to help spread the word well about our show and about birds and conservation. And we say thank you to Joanne Parks from right down the road here in Halifax, Massachusetts. She says, we live on a lake, so herons, kingfishers, and buffleheads are among my favorites. Sometimes people say they can't listen to our show because they're in church. Uh, Joanne says they listen on their way to church. So thank you for that, Joanne, and for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you to Becky Jarvis from Racine, Wisconsin. She says she loves listening to the show on her way to and from work. She has a very short work day, or she listens uh, twice. That's pretty good. And she says, do you still have patches? If so, may I get one? Uh, the answers are yes and yes. We'll have some news about our patches, by the way, coming very soon. Well, Talking Birds listeners, to join Becky and Joanne as a Talking Birds ambassador, we hope you will. No heavy lifting required. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. No G in talking. Well, something special happened this past Thursday, and a man named James, I'm told, has... Uh, something to say to me about the one constant uh, that we can count on. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. You're right, James. Even if attendance has been down a bit in the last few years... Baseball's regular season got underway on Thursday, and we're on that subject for this week's conservation salute. This one's for bird conservation, and it goes to the new AAA minor league affiliate of the Houston Astros in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That area happens to host one of the last remaining strongholds of longleaf pines, making it ideal habitat for an endangered species that we've talked about several times recently, the red-cockaded woodpecker. Well, after giving consideration to the name Fatbacks, after a traditional part of Southern cuisine, the team instead decided to help call attention to the plight of this bird uh, by calling it, uh, well, just give the name in a moment here, they, it has a logo depicting the bird's white cheeks and red crown patch, along with a bat with holes drilled in it, and they've named the team the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. The Woodpeckers' first home game will be against the Carolina Mudcats on April 18th. They'll also meet some other avian-themed teams, playing the Downeast Wood Ducks in May and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans in June. Here's hoping the Fayetteville Nine will drill many drives and hammer lots of home runs this year. Go, Woodpeckers! Still to come on our show today, speaking of bird conservation, we'll talk with special in-studio guest Laura Erickson about her conservation big year. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike live segment, talking about dogs being where maybe they shouldn't ought to be. And up next, a bird with a rusty crown and kind of a misleading name is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. 
For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. We're starting to hear about tree swallows as spring sweeps northward. But today we're featuring another bird with tree in its name, the American tree sparrow. We'll be seeing lots of tree swallows this spring and summer over most of the country. But if we want to see a tree sparrow, we need to hurry. Ken Kaufman in one of his field guides describes this bird as a cold weather sparrow. It's in most of the U.S. in the winter, but is now making its way north to breed and nest up in northern Canada and Alaska at the edge of the Arctic tundra. I got some close-up views of a tree sparrow in a thicket at the wonderful Daniel Webster Sanctuary here in the south shore of Massachusetts last spring. And I remember being struck by its beauty with the richness of its rusty cap and the pale rusty eyeliner and the gorgeous mix of browns and blacks on its back and its two wing bars, the lower of which forms a long white crescent on the perched bird. It also features a central breast spot, like the song sparrow, but without the streaky breast. And here's a great field mark by which to identify the American tree sparrow. The upper half of its bill is a dark gray color, but the bottom half is yellow. Despite its name, the American tree sparrow feeds mainly on the ground, and its far north breeding areas are above the tree line, so it nests on the ground too. And its song sounds like this. The sweet whistle and warble of Spizella arborea, the American tree sparrow. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. And speaking of friends, thanks to our friend Al Bat for a great picture of an American tree sparrow that's on our Facebook page right now. We'll have some more about Al and his great columns and writings that he does. Al is from Minnesota, and Minnesota is kind of a, a focal point of our show today, as we'll uh, discover in a moment here. Most of us have heard the phrase big year in association with birding, the phrase that gained more widespread fame with the release of the 2011 movie by that name. So a big year generally defined as a personal challenge or an informal competition among birders who try to identify as many species as possible by sight or sound within a single calendar year and within a specific geographic area. Our guest this morning completed a big year in 2013, covering the lower 48, but hers was a little different, as we're about to find out. Laura Erickson is a former editor with the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and host of Radio's For the Birds. She's written 11 books on birding, including 100 ways, 100, sorry, 101 ways, excuse me, uh, to help birds into the nest and the amazing Birdwatching Answer book. And she's from Minnesota, and she joins us here in the Talking Birds studio. Good morning, Laura. Hi, Ray. Great to have you here. As we learned, Laura, in your slide talk last night in beautiful Bristol, Rhode Island, as part of the Ocean State Bird Club's fifth annual meeting and celebration, you called your effort a conservation big year. Tell us about that description and how you decided to make your big year different. The idea in a real big year is mm -hmm. that you want to see as many species as possible, mm -hmm. which would include any vagrants who are in the United States from some other place. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people 
use a lot of natural resources to zip here and there to get these vagrants mm-hmm. and to go way out on Atu and all these other places where they're likely to see birds that don't normally belong here. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to focus on as far as rare birds went, were birds like the red cockaded woodpecker mm-hmm. and uh, the prairie chickens and birds that are having a lot of problems. And because I do a blog and my own radio show, I wanted to have more material about those birds, more photos and things. Mm-hmm. And so I focused on the rare birds that need help because they do belong here. And we're having trouble with them. Mm-hmm. And even with that sort of restriction, you, you, you counted a lot of birds, 593 countable by American Birding Association rules, a grand total of 604, and uh, it put you in the top 10 of ABA's listing as of 2015? As of today, yeah. I'm number three still. Mm-hmm. All right, number three. <laughs> but that's for 2013, for mm-hmm. the lower 48. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes, uh, Laurie, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, uh, big years can be the subject of criticism because they require lots of travel, potentially a lot of fossil fuels burned in the process. But how, how did you try to make your big year green? Well, first of all, I donated, I didn't have much money, so I couldn't donate as much as I wanted, but I donated for every mile I traveled using fossil fuels, which would be on boats, in airplanes, and by car, everything um, I donated to the Rainforest Trust. Mm -hmm. And the reason I chose that is because in the overall scheme of things, the amount Uh, the carbon footprint from all the transportation in the United States, air, uh, water, and vehicle, um, is actually a smaller footprint than what happens with deforesting Mm -hmm. the tropical rainforests. So I wanted to make sure I was at least... You know, it wasn't making up for what I used, but it was at least a little bit of mitigating. And I also tried to be extremely careful about single-use plastics. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the year, I had a straw and a lid from one fast food restaurant, and I kept those in my car. And every time I had to go to a fast food restaurant and buy a drink, I just got the cup, the paper cup, and used that same lid and straw and rinsed them off and used them again. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Of course, now you might have a stainless steel straw. We're seeing those around. Yeah, uh, but I still, uh, you know, I I have three or four plastic straws Mm -hmm. at home and those are the ones I keep in, uh, you know, I keep one in the car and Mm -hmm. That's proof that they last a long time, those they, plastic straws. They do, and it's just as easy to clean an old mm-hmm. plastic straw as to buy a new steel yeah. straw. Uh, I don't mean that lasting a long time is a compliment to the plastic straws, by the way. That's the whole problem, <laughs> that they don't break down. Mm-hmm. Well, at least once, also, Laura, because you were, you were driving a, a hybrid car. Right. So that was some extra points there. You were, And you once, you were driving a Prius, and you once, at least once slept in the back of your Prius, and that was the time, was it not, when you were serenaded all night by a flammulated owl? Right, that was in New Mexico at a national forest not far from Bosque de la Pache. There he is now, I think. So this was, is this, is, was this kind of what it sounded like? All night long. <laughs> it was wonderful. Well, you encountered another creature up close, uh, Laura, um, 
This is one that most people would want to keep at a, a safe distance. Uh, tell us about your meetup with a mountain lion. I was uh, hiking the uh, the big loop that takes you to the Kalima Trail in Big Bend National Park, which is the uh, one of the only places in the United States where you can see a Mexican warbler, the Kalima warbler, mm-hmm. and. The whole place is out of cell phone reach, and the the loop is 12 miles, and the Kalima part is right at the six-mile mark, so it's six of one, half dozen mm-hmm. of the other, whether you finish the loop or go backward. So I finished the loop, and about a mile after I got my Kalima warbler, a mountain lion runs across the trail and I never had the whole animal in view at once because he was in the brush. Mm. And so all of a sudden there's this golden cat head and not far ahead of me. And then there's this golden body (laughs) and I'd lost the head by the time I was seeing the rear leg and then this long tail. And I'm thinking, wow, a a mountain lion. And then I started thinking, wow. wow. A mountain lion. Oh my! <laughs> In a different context. Alone. Yeah, it was uh, thrilling wow. and wonderful, and a little bit scary. A little bit scary, I'm sure. Well, we all know about Super Bowl Sunday, but birders also know that if we change the spacing of part of that phrase a bit, it can be turned instead into Superb Owl Sunday. And you had a pretty special avian encounter on Superb Owl Sunday. I live in Duluth, Minnesota, and there are some winters when we have what's called an invasion of boreal owls, Mm. which are this amazing little bird, uh, just a little, one size bigger than a sawhet owl, and just adorable. And I wanted to see one on Superb Owl Sunday, and that year was a little tricky because my 93-year-old mother-in-law had just come to live with us. She she was 94 then, and um, so my husband usually couldn't go traveling with me. One of us had to be home, but he came with me, so this was the only... adventure I had with my husband. We drove up to Two Harbors. We passed two clusters of birders looking at boreal owls on our way up, but I didn't want to see one that somebody else found. (laughs) So I went to my favorite little spot, and sure enough, there was a boreal owl so close that I got some amazing pictures, and he was hunting, and we watched him catch a small uh, mouse. I'm not sure Mm. what kind. We don't have time to talk very much about Pip, your dog, except to say that Pip has his own website, uh, pip.lauraerickson.com. He's a real birding dog. Yeah, right? she's got a life list she, over sorry. 200. She. Laura yeah. Erickson is the 2014 recipient of the American Birding Association's prestigious Roger Tory Peterson Award. She's been a scientist, teacher, writer, wildlife rehabilitator, professional blogger, public speaker, <gasps> photographer, American robin and whooping crane expert for the popular Journey North educational website and science editor at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. She's written 11 books about birds, and she joined us this morning to tell us about her 2013 conservation big year. Congratulations on that, Laura, and all of your great accomplishments on behalf of birds and conservation. And thanks for being with us on Talking Birds. Thanks so much for having me. Find out more about Laura on her wonderful website, lauraerickson.com. That's lauraerickson.com. Up next here on Talking Birds, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. 
tunakuomba uikumbuke nchi Tanzania Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera Safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safaris founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and guerrilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasera-safaris.com. N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. In case you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live and think you're unable to, well, you can do it online. We're live on Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 10 Eastern. Easy to find us at TalkinBirds.com. Our mystery bird contest features this bird. It also features the, the attribute that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer to win our contest if nobody does get the exact correct answer. The number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a small but stocky songbird, mostly gray or olive gray all over, save for a yellow spot in front of the eyes with a white throat, a black malar stripe, kind of a drooping mustache effect. Our bird is found in salt marshes in the vicinity of tidal reeds and rushes on a year-round basis along most of the east and gulf coast areas of the U.S., where it feeds on seeds and insects, spiders, and marine invertebrates. Beautiful prizes this morning, including the Droll Yankees, bottoms-up finch feeder, Droll Yankees makers of the world's best bird feeders, plus a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game, and a two-pound bag of delicious bird-friendly birds and beans coffee grown in such a way that it doesn't destroy that tropical habitat that Laura referenced a few minutes ago. It's grown under the natural canopy of the shade of the trees in the tropics. So, prizes and clues on our mystery bird, 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor down at the famous Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. I'm Michael Romano, and I'm calling from Great Barrington, Massachusetts, in the heart of the Berkshires. I've decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because I'm horrified by the destruction of nature, and I think we have to do something about it. I encourage others to become Talking Birds ambassadors to help protect and promote the safety of birds. The world needs people who care. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. 
Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Cape Cod, where I think it's already summer. Let's check in uh, with, with Mike and see if he's uh, actually down there or out at the uh, beach already. Good morning, Mike. Oh, it's always summer on Cape Cod, Ray. You want to talk about birds that are not like Laura Erickson's bird, uh, dog, uh, not not about birds, but about dogs, not a, not like Laura's dog, Pip, which is a real bird dog. Yeah, yeah. Bird dog. First of all, I want to thank Laura for writing such wonderful books that we keep on our shelves. They're very popular, and I appreciate that. She said, the, thank The you. books that she writes, because we sell quite a few. But yeah, I want to talk a little bit about dogs, and, you know, um, for years we've always complained about cats. Bird lovers don't really, uh, you know, a fan of free-roaming cats, but free-roaming dogs, it can be also a, a, a problem for the last couple of I don't know. Dog populations grown, and people like their dogs. But for some reason, it's kind of like speed limit signs. Leash laws get ignored, and more and more places I go for for birding, dogs are running free. And you know, and I think that you know, especially in sensitive habitats, the the birds are suffering. That was in your home state the other day on a wildlife refuge, looking for shorebirds, and every time shorebirds landed, dogs came running and chased them up and down the beach and the birds land again. And these birds are exhausted from migrating and every time they'd land, more dogs would chase them and it's clearly marked, no pets. But even areas where they allow pets, they have strict leash laws. Pets must be restricted or on leashes. And for some reason, again, people think their dog's special and maybe it is to them, but that they're running loose. I went to look for woodcocks the other night in, in a new conservation area, and it seems like every time they put up a new, they open up a new conservation area, the first people to show up are, are dog lovers, and they let their dogs run loose. And there were no woodcocks to be found because even in the dark, these dogs are running loose, and the birds can't have their, uh, you know, their mating calls, their mating rituals, and even in certain sensitive areas, you know, birds are declining. You know, uh, nesting horn larks and towhees and whippoorwills and wood thrushes. And as people stroll through the woods, they, for some reason, they ignore the, um, the leash laws or, you know, restraining. And the dogs are running up and down and cutting through the woods. And, you know, the dogs aren't necessarily trying to harm the birds, but they're disturbing their nesting areas. And I'm just kind of asking people who like their pets and or also birders kind of keep both together and you know keep the dogs restrained or on the leash and you know if you want to run your dog take it to a ballpark you know take it to a soccer field an area that's already been compromised and let it run around there but if you're going to take it on a nature walk kind of keep it under control a little bit that's all i'm saying so don't get mad at me laura don't get i mad. still like your book <laughs> he still likes your books and there's some good reasons why you should not let your dog run loose there mike thank you so much and uh, we'll talk to you next week sounds great for over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back at the Mystery Bird Contest, and Laura Erickson is still here with us uh, in the studio. And uh, if you'd like to call in on our Mystery Bird Contest, that would be okay, would you say, Laura? Oh, yeah. yeah. My... Uh 
Our mystery bird was number 500 on my life list. It was a milestone bird for me. Wow, number 500. Okay, I don't know if that's a clue or not, but maybe it would be a clue for somebody. We'll find out. 781-837-4900 is the number to call, and we'll first go to Kathleen in nearby Duxbury, Massachusetts. Is that Kathleen? I I think it is. Good morning, Kathleen. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to How you. How are you? We're, we're well. How are, and Laura is here with us, and she is well, too, if I may speak for her for the moment. No. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting into birding, so yeah. I know my guess is probably going to be wrong, but um, is it a, on the, do you see it on the beach? Oh, well, in uh, marshes, really, right? In, uh, in marshes? Yeah, salt marshes. Okay. Yeah. I the only thing that came to my mind was a tufted titmouse being Tuf- gray. Tufted titmouse would not be uh, the answer. I, I, I didn't think. think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, you were right about that. Thank you, Kathleen. All right. All right. Thank you. Call us Bye-bye. again. We'll try if we have time okay. to go to, I think it's Catherine in Delhi, New York, if I'm not mistaken. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Our mystery bird. Hello. Is, hi. What do you say it is, Catherine? I think it's a seaside sparrow. I think you're right. I hear the applause. Hooray! Number 500 on Laura's life list. Yep, down in the Gulf. Stay on the line, Catherine. We'll get your address and uh, and take care of sending all that stuff. Laura, thank, thank you. you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Nick Lund is with us next week. I'm Ray Brown. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, for more information. You can also follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.